Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Baby gorgeous. Welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Cara Berry. Happy post Halloween to you all. And now we're in the season of thanks. <laughs> I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> but I hope you guys all had a, a good Halloween. I here's the thing, you guys. Here here's what's happening. Um I'm in limbo. As of right now, I am in limbo. I have a lot of great topics that I want to get into and that I will get into. Um, Will that be the entire episode? Hard to say. Because tonight is the finale of Real Housewives of Potomac. And I know it'll be a good episode. And I know that to some degree I'm going to want to recap it. But I need to have this episode out in the morning. So I just don't know if I'm like really going to be feeling recording at nine o'clock at night I I don't really know and then I want to watch Salt Lake and so that would push it back to 10 which is like really a no for me dog so and I have to wake up early so who's to say this might just be an as seen on the internet episode or we might get a recap at the end I'm sorry I can't make any promises as of now who's to say what the care of the future is going to feel you know can't can't pin me down so let's get started with the episode Obviously, as we're wont to do, we start off with our girl of the week, and uh, there are a couple, but I'm going to give it to Hilaria Baldwin. By now, I'm sure you guys know what happened. Unfortunately, there was a shooting accident on Alec Baldwin's set, on the set of his new movie, Rust, in which he shot two uh, crew members, or, or the director, I'm not sure, but unfortunately, there was a, a lady named Helena Hutchins who uh, passed away. 
the more news comes out about this situation, the more ugh, it all is. It's just so tragic and sad. And I just feel really, really bad for the victims of this. And I do feel, you know, an, a lot of empathy for Alec. Clearly, this was not what he wanted to do. Is he at fault? Yes. But are many other people down the chain at fault for this? Absolutely. Why were these crew members using the same gun that they used on this show or in this movie to just like merry make off uh, hours and shoot at things? Like, why were they doing that? Why, you know, just it's just so involved and it's so layered and every layer is worse than that the next and it's just awful so (sighs) hillary decides to on october 30th do an exclusive uh interview slash article with the new york post (laughs) the same new york post that has been calling her the rachel dolezal of the hamptons um she this is so weird and it's so century and I'm solely placing the blame on Hillary in this instance because I don't think it is possible that Alec is in his right mind. He has gone through a lot. He killed somebody. He is waiting to find out what's going to happen in this investigation. There's possible um, legal ramifications for him on this and there's a body, you know? And a human that whose life was lost. And that is just like, I, I don't, I, I can't imagine we are existing in a world in which Alec is like having a great time right now, or it, he's thinking straight. As you guys know, or as you Patreon subscribers know, I did an admittedly unwell four-part series on both Hillary and Alec. You can check that out at EBBM podcast, patreon.com slash EBBM podcast with that being said, like, I, I know the depths to which Hillary specifically seeks out fame and really uses sympathy and negative press to uh, raise her profile and get her name out there. This, I thought, was just, uh, it's beyond the pale for me. So, the headline is that Hillary Baldwin feels fears Alec will develop PTSD after the tragic shooting of Helena Hutchins. That is fair. That's about where the fairness ends. So the article starts with this like sappy, really for Hilaria and the children's situation. It starts as Hilaria Baldwin bundled her six children in her car and set off without a destination in mind. Once she heard her husband, Alec, had accidentally shot and killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins on the set of the movie Rust. I didn't know where I was going. I just drove, Baldwin told the Post Saturday during an exclusive interview in Vermont. I just drove around and around and around with my kids. Um, She said she drove around for an entire day in search of somewhere out of the public eye before settling on a ski town in autumn in Vermont. Okay. So earlier on Saturday, Alec and Hilaria did some sort of public speech. Like Alec spoke publicly from the side of the road in Vermont. So you're telling me that you, and it says in this article, 
Hilaria hoped to be able to protect her husband from scrutiny surrounding his involvement in the accidental fatal shooting and wanted to keep her children away from the glare of news media. But then you had him speak publicly on the side of the road in this little town that you said was going to be your safe space away from the glare of the news media. Alec, there's a whole set of pictures where you can see that Hillary is recording on her phone these conversations, that Alec looks completely distraught. And it like a lot of the pictures look like she's like directing the media. I don't know. This is it's very, very weird. Really, really weird. Especially when you tell the media, and I quote, I brought Alec up here because we have had to mourn Helena's death. Alec had a really traumatic thing happen, and I'm trying to limit the PTSD. And then she goes on to say, somebody asked him if he would act again. And she said, he needs space for me to take care of him and his mental health. It's an awful thing that happened. Alec feels awful. I just, what is wrong with her? What's right with her might be the better question. Like, I, I, I don't like this woman. I unequivocally, I don't like her. I don't think she's a good person. I think that she's always finding a way to center herself around this or not around this, but around everything. And she's always doing this push pull of like don't pay attention to me oh but here i am in the middle of columbus circle um you know doing a downward dog for everybody like pick a lane pick a wall boots pick a wall it's it's very i i don't like i don't like her (laughs) i just i don't like her okay and and that's that's my truth (laughs) i feel like i may have as the kids say, girl boss a little too close to the sun. And I think that I may have painted myself into a corner a bit um, with regard to this podcast, because I think I just like constantly coming off as a bitch who just comes on here to unload about things that I don't like. And I generally speaking, I'm a happy person <laughs> and I, I feel good about where I'm going in my life and, and I'm happy in all things. So I hope you guys like don't just like oh here here goes that bitch again bitching around on bitch town like the mayor of bitch town here she comes tooting her horn so let's move on i mean i'm still going to talk about things that i hate i i just want to put that out there that like this is not the entirety of my personality <laughs> secondly i'm going to talk about another story of somebody who should just should have like shut her mouth you should have just sat there and ate your food and left well enough alone because this was like so out of pocket and unnecessary and I don't like it. So, um, I guess a little while ago, Nene Leakes of Real Housewives of Atlanta fame did an interview in which she talked about, you know, her life post Greg's death, right? And she talked about... Um, She had some words for Cynthia and some general criticism about how her former castmates um, surrounded her or more often than not did not surround her um, in the wake of Greg's passing. So she expressed some disappointment because I, if I get to the story right, Cynthia was not able to attend the funeral, but she was able to attend um, the event at Nene Leakes' lounge, the Lanethia Lounge, which was a celebration of life of Greg. Cynthia said that, you know, she 
whatever reason she wasn't able to make the funeral, but she in a way was happier that she was able to go to that celebration of life because she was able to get more time with Nini and really connect. Now, apparently (laughs) Nini did not feel the same way. She felt a little bit slighted by Cynthia and she also felt a little slighted by uh, a few of the other cast members who she said all like went in on and chipped in on a bouquet of flowers. And she felt like you guys couldn't just afford to send your own flowers individually. I guess she just thought it was like kind of tacky. Right. So Claudia Jordan, one season wonder went on some show, radio show, podcast, whatever. And she had the audacity, the audacity to say that, like, what does she not have anything better to do than look up how much the flowers cost? And she should just be grateful that anybody came anyway because they were just there for Greg. And, like, basically that Nini was, like, such a bitch and and she's burned too many bridges and... Uh, you know, she should be grateful that people even wanted to support her in her time of her husband dying. Fuck off. Like, is it really that necessary for you to be petty? Like, I understand wanting to go low. I understand being petty. I understand getting your licks in. But I also understand there's a time and a place for that. And discussing, she's in mourning, full stop. That's it. And Cynthia, or um, uh, Claudia did say like, you know, I don't know what it's like to have to lose a husband. I only have a boyfriend, blah, blah, blah. Um, And maybe that's where your ass should have stopped talking. You know, it's just like, where's the line? Where's the line for people? Let it go. Was it so necessary for you to say that? Was it so necessary for you to, I, I just think it's so icky. There's just a time where we just do hands off. And and if you don't fuck with her, then don't say anything. Don't say anything at all. Don't, like, feel like you have to kick her when she's down. I, I just think it's, like, time and a place, you guys. Time and a place. And this is not cute. I, I don't like it. Nini went on Instagram stories and was crying. And she was like, I just need you guys to leave me alone. Like, I don't want it. I'm going through it. And I just like, leave me alone. Don't talk to me. Don't talk about me. And it felt real. It felt like she was just at the end of her rope emotionally. And you could see how tired she was. And it just felt like she was like, I I can't, I'm not doing this. You know, (laughs) like, I'm just not going to do it. She said what she said. And that's fine. Those are Nini's feelings. But just let her have her feelings. Like, is it that necessary that you have to be petty back? Was she talking about you? It's gross. Continuing on the tradition of this episode of Bravo situations and uh, things that I'm mad about. Uh, TMZ dropped an article on Friday about the reason, according to sources close to the, to the matter about why the Roni reunion did not happen. Apparently, um, and I don't like the wording of this, I'm going to say it. We've now learned why the Roni reunion never happened. And it was all thanks to an ongoing 30 third party investigation into Ebony K. Williams allegations of racism against Ramona Singer. Now I saw a few people say some pretty, I thought coded uh, things about the situation. And it also, you know, as most of us do, it led me to believe that the whole article was not read. Okay. So yes, apparently, 
according to multiple sources, Ebony uh, put in a, you know, she filed an, an, a formal complaint against Ramona in the weeks leading up to the reunion. And that because of that, that led to delays. And by the time the investigation was over and they realized, or, you know, the investigation found that nothing happened or that they couldn't corroborate the claims that Ebony was making, which would be a, a more correct statement. They went to crew members, they went to cast and they just could not corroborate. They didn't say explicitly what uh, Ebony's claims were, but just that they weren't able to find a corroboration for that. Now to me, that could be very easily explained away by the fact that apparently for the most part, the other cast members are not fucking with Ebony. There was a, an article that came out about how when um, the not all diamonds and Rose book party came out, a bunch of Bob Bravo celebrities were invited and that when Ebony showed up, Ramona, Leah and Luann all had a pact to leave as soon as she arrived in some sort of mean girls tete-a-tete of like, 50 somethings and Leah. Um, so I feel like it is certainly within the realm of possibility that during this investigation, those women decided to team up with each other and hold the line, so to speak, and just be on Ramona's side. Now, the other part of this is that Ebony filed this complaint only in solidarity with and after another person in uh, production, another crew member, also had filed a complaint against Ramona. So this is two complaints against Ramona in the season. Um, And it seemed like the way that it's worded is that like Ebony only did this like because the other person did. Like... The person on the crew filed a a complaint about Ramona. The behavior from Ramona continued. And then Ebony decided to file an additional complaint. So I think that's whack of all these people that were like, oh, see, you know, I tried to like Ebony, but now, oh, see, like, this is how she is. Like, that's so vile and it's so gross. And like, y'all know what you're saying when you're saying shit like that. I don't like it. I don't like that. So if you guys are of the opinion of that, like, y'all can just block me now. I don't like it and we're not going to see eye to eye on that um i just feel really awful for ebony and whatever like my other question is they typically film these reunions toward the tail end of the season ending or like halfway or like a little over half over the halfway mark so when did this investigation when did the, when was this complaint filed? When did the production the member of production file the complaint? What was the complaint? And then why did obviously nothing happened and then Ebony felt the need to do it again. So if two people are saying something and two people are feeling like their needs aren't being heard or that you know then there's something there. There's something there. And this is not just, we're not just going to, not on this podcast, we're not just going to chalk it up to Ebony, like ruining everything for everybody else. Like we, did we all watch last season? Like we saw Ramona find every possible way to be offensive and weird and problematic and racist. And so I don't know why we're, so many people are acting like, see, oh, see, it was Ebony, Ebony the whole time. There is 
videographic proof of Ramona being a terrible human being. So, you know, take that. All right, let's move into some really sad Bravo news, you guys. Randall and Lala have officially broken up. Uh, oh, no. Oh, God. What a surprise. What, how are we? Are we just absolutely shocked at the idea of a man who was married when you fucked him, dude? And he, and he blew him for the Range Rover. What, what a surprise that the relationship didn't work out and he left you same way you got him how weird how very very odd so um you know a couple weeks ago we saw randall those photos of him with two chicks in nashville at a hotel going up to the hotel room okay um who's surprised certainly not me uh lala starts acting like she's uh beyonce in lemonade and She's like barely crystal light. Uh, it's um, it's just like, girl. Okay, so apparently on Watch What Happens Live, not apparently because I watched it with my own two eyes. Ariana was on Watch What Happens Live. Andy asked her about what the situation is. This was last week, and she was like, "Oh, you know, I talked to Lala, and she basically said that they were on the fence. They were kind of talking, but Lala was just like could not." make a decision right so apparently she has apparently it's over apparently she has taken the ring off and it there's no coming back like officially there's no hope of reconciliation um she's found some apartment in la to live in and that's about it i mean are we surprised no no girl <laughs> not even a little bit so um the other not at all surprising thing is that Randall finds himself in a bit of hot water financially. Um, so we all remember Amber. If you guys watch you, Amber Childers was on season one. Um, he has two children with Amber and he had a situation in which they, the courts were making Randall keep a, an account and that account was supposed to have $50,000 in it at all times for non-private school related matters for their two kids, right? So he was supposed to require that or maintain that $50,000 monthly monthly million minimum and he wants that to be struck from the record. He doesn't want to do this account situation anymore. So, um he says that the reason for this whole situation is that he is on the brink of bankruptcy. And then it came out that actually back in March, so we're talking eight months ago, um, Randall requested to decrease his child support payments because of significant debts. So page six got some legal documents and they said that um, there was that monthly balance of 50000 that... Since then, he has accumulated about half a million dollars in debt that he owes to the IRS. Just he and Jax are just two debt filled birds of a feather. So the document said that if he's forced to continue making these deposits, Randall's going to fall deeper and deeper into debt and he'll be forced to file for bankruptcy. Bankruptcy. 
the interesting thing is that Randall was saying that Amber has been spending money on from that account on luxury items that were not legitimate expenses. However, um, apparently Randall is falling into debt because he's doing the very same thing. Going on vacations, buying expensive cars, blah, blah, blah. And he's claiming that, you know, he's fallen into financial ruin because of the pandemic that in 2020 last year, he was only able to produce one movie as opposed to several in uh, years past. And because of that, he's having quote liquidity issues. Um, he said that he is on like a payment plan with the IRS. He's paying them $15,000 a month, $10,000 a month to American express. And you know, it, as such, the continued funding of this chil children's expenses account will cause him great financial hardship and force him to file for bankruptcy. Okay. Okay. He also owes like 281 million thousand, not million, $281,000 to a, um, um, an unpaid rent for his company. So he's not doing well. Fair to say. And, uh, yeah. Sorry, Randall. And with that, y'all, let's um, put on our Skims and Fendi uh, collaboration tops and onesies, and let's head on over to the Kardashian corner. We haven't done a Kardashian corner in a while, or not a, not an official one. Mostly just be ranting and raving about Courtney and Travis and how horny they are and how I can't take it anymore. But we're going to talk about some other people. First of all, poor Sweet True and her mother Chloe have contracted covid and they are currently quarantining um now i had to go to different accounts because as you guys know chloe has me blocked on the podcast which is like you know a real thorn in my side but uh she said yeah that she is vaccinated now this is not like this is just me this is just me in my opinion for some reason when i find that these celebrities have these breakout cases of COVID and they say they're vaccinated. I don't believe them. <laughs> I don't know why. I I don't really, I believe we live in a world in which Chloe would have serious reservations about getting the vaccine for herself. You know, um, I really feel like Courtney probably isn't vaccinated and Rob, Rob seems like he's pretty anti-vax. Um, I just don't see it. Not a chance in hell Kanye's vaccinated. Right? Or maybe he said he was. Maybe he shocked me and said that he was recently. I don't know. But I just don't believe it. And it's not just this family. It's also Wendy. It's it's Wendy Williams. That's that's what really put my hackles up. I'm concerned about Wendy. I'm concerned. And from like a personal level? <laughs> no, I'm not. It's not a personal level. Here's Here's what I'm saying. Is that I was supposed to get tickets. Or I did get tickets to Wendy Williams. And then... We found out that the day it was like she was supposed to come back from break that she got COVID. And so then they had to push back the dates. And so we had to, or I had to uh, reapply for new dates once they push it back. And then once they did the pushback dates, they said she's still not coming back and that she doesn't have COVID anymore and that hers was a breakthrough case, meaning that she was in fact vaccinated, but she was dealing with you know, we have, we know that she has like a whole other, uh, slew of health issues, right? Graves disease. So I don't know. There were, there were blind items about 
Wendy saying that she, even though she said she had a breakthrough case, that she was never vaccinated. She's not doing well. Uh, she's continuing, obviously, not to do well. And that people are hiding it. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm, <laughs> to which I, basically, to put it all together, I feel like <laughs> every, every celebrity who gets a breakthrough case of COVID is actually not vaccinated purely based on a blind item that I heard about Wendy Williams. And so that's where my head is at at this point. And, I, and I'm fine with that. I admit that. Moving on to something, an actual happy occasion, a, a thing that I was like, ugh, Grinch style, my heart grew three sizes when I saw these people exclusive pictures of Kim and Pete Davidson <laughs> posted up at Not Scary Farm, having a goddamn blast, going through the rides, holding hands. She is screaming and actually showing facial expressions because we know Dr. Orion stays in that face of hers. And I just like couldn't believe that I was actually seeing her happy. It was amazing having actual human emotion written on her face due to, I feel like Pete Davidson. Now let's break this all down. Let's break it all the way down. Pete's friends with Travis and Courtney. Um, it's not really outside of the realm of possibility that they would all hang out together. The articles are saying that Courtney and Travis, this was their trip or their, uh, you know, uh, event that they planned and that they invited everybody. The guest was guest list was theirs and that Kim and Pete are just friends. Yada, yada, yada. I believe that I cannot feasibly wrap my mind around Kim. No, I can wrap my mind around Kim being attracted to him. I can. I can. I really can. But here's why I love this. So many reasons. I was so invested, as you guys all know, in Kim having a post-divorce, post-Kimye hot girl summer. Just absolutely des devastated that we went through these Summer months without her thoughtin' and boppin' on a yacht. I had it perfectly planned out in my mind because she had announced that she was divorcing at the same time. Lala of uh, Lala Anthony, um, her girlfriend was announcing her divorce from Carmelo Anthony, and then uh, at, also at that time, Chloe was pretending like she wasn't letting Tristan hit it raw. Right, so I was like, oh, these girls are gonna do it. They're going to be out on like a 50 foot yacht on some like recreating the big pimpin uh, video that they were just going to be out with dudes. They were going to be partying that we were going to get sexy pictures of Kim and, and colors that she hasn't been allowed to wear in years. And like, this is going to be it. The chemisance, if you will, didn't happen. So like now I'm seeing these pictures and they're sparking the joy that I was expecting to get in those summer months because she is just living life. She's having fun. She's out with a dude that does not make any sense with her, <laughs> but she's loving it and she's playing it to the cameras and she's having a great time. I love this. This is dividends for me. I earned this. I deserve it. I'm happy with the results. I don't care if it's fake. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I want to see them hanging out a bunch. I want to see, I think Pete would be good. I think Pete is great for Kim. 
Like, I don't think they should have sex, but I think he could, like, roll up a nice joint and they could have fun that way. I just think that he could bring something to her life that she hasn't gotten from being Mrs. West. I think it's great. And I'm loving it. And I hope you join me. Let's get loud. I'm excited. I'm so excited. Ah, I love it. Um, Another thing that I love. Oh, here's here's another thing, though. Here's the other thing. Is it like the thing about the Kardashians and Jenners, there's always like close quarters, right? So the Cuddy connection of it all. Who gets custody of Kid Cuddy in this? Pete? Or Kanye, because they're both very close friends through their mental health journeys and through music. And I, I don't know. Ugh, I love it. I love it. Okay, let me go back to another thing that I love. Cal Penn just, uh, in so many words, came out, I guess. I, I'm loving this. I, I'm loving the announcement of it I just think it's so progressive and I hope that moving forward that this is a sort of coming out uh situation that we get from celebrities moving forward let's let's walk through this right so he's coming out with a book in this book he says he's engaged to a man named Josh they've been together for 11 years basically the entirety or most of it that we have known him as a celebrity right I love this. He says, it's not like, in this article that I read, it was on people. He doesn't use the word gay at any point. He he just says, hey, I'm in a relationship with this guy. We're engaged. We're so happy. Um, He doesn't talk about like, it it doesn't seem like he struggles with his sexuality. He says uh, it's, uh, he was open. He's like, if I met you at a bar I would introduce you to my boyfriend or like whatever. Like it's, this was just, and I I don't even think you can call it an open secret. It's like, he just didn't announce it publicly until he felt like it. And he just said, Hey, you know, the people that are closest in my family, my immediate family members and Josh, my fiance just don't like the spotlight. And so that's why I didn't say anything, but I'm not, there doesn't seem to be any layer of shame or, or, feeling like he has to hide this you're just like hey you know i'm engaged so moving on like buy my book i i loved it i i think it's really refreshing and and great i i I, no no edits perfect perfect i love it it's that time of the year your vacation is coming up you can already hear the beach waves feel the warm breeze relax and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know, when it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Obviously, I got to round this out Ooh, with the, the update from the Zane, Gigi, Yolanda, just trifecta of mess. Ooh, Lord, this shit happened. And I just screamed. I screamed the entire article. Okay. So we found out like a few days ago that there had been some altercation between uh, <laughs> Yolanda and Zane. And that he put his hands on her. Now, let me say unequivocally that there are going to be a few times in which I laugh. However, that does not make it okay. It doesn't, does, does not make what Zane did okay. It is unequivocally a terrible and objectively wrong and terrible thing to have happened. He should not have put his hands on anyone. Okay. Some of this shit is so funny. So apparently what happened was a, a, several things. So here's the rub, you guys. Um, Yolanda has a property in Pennsylvania. Gigi and Zane bought the property next door. So this is now like the very rich person's equivalent of a holler, right? So Apparently, Yolanda, Gigi's been out in Paris and Europe, you know, doing her model thing. And Yolanda, for whatever reason, has um, taken to dropping by the house unannounced, which apparently, obviously, has pissed off Zane to the point where things came to actual literal blows. So, one thing that I found interesting was that before we found out the details of this altercation, Zane came out with an article. Liz Bentley, host of Feathers in My Hair, said something that I had been thinking, but she articulated it very well, which was that in Zane's iOS press release, he said some things that pointed to the fact that he obviously thought that they were going to be telling the whole situation um at that time and so he was trying to get ahead of the story but these details didn't come out till like what one two days later first of all he mentioned that he and Gigi are trying to co-parent something that I had mentioned on my podcast was uh telling and seemed to point to the fact that Gigi and Zane had broken up right um another thing that he mentioned was that he said that he was like, let me, let me find the exact wording. 
He says, in an effort to protect this space for her, his daughter, I had agreed not to contest claims arising from an argument I had with a family member of my partner's who entered our home when our when my partner was away several weeks ago. So, to say that he agreed not to contest claims was interesting because he... At the time, when the first news dropped, it said that Yolanda was considering filing charges. But then when the article detailing what happened, we find out that he actually, that Yolanda did file the charges. So it seemed like he was operating under the current timeline, not knowing that like things had been or were going to be uh, omitted from the narrative. If, if that makes sense. Like he, he got ahead of the story but some of those details didn't really come out until after the first bit of news dropped. So, um, here's what, here were the details. So according to docs, there are four criminal offenses of harassment that were filed against, uh, Zane. There are varying reports about what exactly he pled to. One document says that he pled guilty to one of the, Uh, claims but then there are other documents that say that he actually pled no contest so going on this happened on september 29th so a little over a month ago uh yolanda comes over they get into this argument it (laughs) at one point zane calls yolanda a fucking dutch slut and told him her to stay away from my fucking daughter and then here's the part that here's the part that really made me laugh. So the article says he said this, although it's hard to know why the fucking sperm that came out of my fucking cock. What? What? Are you referring? Huh? <laughs> Where did this came come from? I'm assuming that what he meant was that like this is my daughter this was the way to describe his owner or ownership of the daughter. I, I don't know. Like I said, it's hard to know why. So anyway, um, there are, then it goes on to say that he allegedly shoved Yolanda into a dresser and this caused mental anguish and physical pain. So the file, charges of harassment are, um, the victims are Yolanda and Gigi. Now Gigi was in Paris. So, um, somebody had a question as to why or how is it possible that there are these harassment charges against Gigi when she was not actually there. So I looked up Pennsylvania law <laughs> and there are many uh, criteria that fall under the, the umbrella of harassment. One of them being being on the phone and cursing at somebody being like generally threatening by somebody um he screamed at her strap on some fucking balls and defend your partner against your fucking mother in my house and then it went from there there was a security guard at the home and according to the document zane screamed get the fuck out of my house you fucking copper (laughs) which like i know he's english and like copper (laughs) what that that is a wild thing to say i i've never like the, he is truly truly wild um so because of these harassment charges 
he's uh, 90 days per 90 days probation for each count. So this would be just under a year, 360 days, right? He's got to complete an anger management class and a domestic violence program. He can't have any contact with Yolanda nor the security guard. Um, if he completes those programs, the, the domestic violence and the anger management classes within six months, he could, he, there's potential for him to have that probation dropped at that point. So, so many things have come out since then. Gigi issued a statement saying, you know, your standard, I'm requesting privacy for this matter at this time. Um, there's so much stemming from this and there's so much that I really want to talk about. So on Wednesdays, I drop my episodes on Patreon. So if you guys want to check out this week's episode, it's going to be all about all all three of them, okay? I want to really break down what's going on there because listen, I'm 35. I aged out of the one direction of it all when they came to uh prominence. So I what I know about Zane is like just bits and bots here and there. There's a dark past some uh, drug allegations. So I just want to let, you know, and we've seen evidence of Yolanda. So like, this isn't going to be, it's almost going to be like celebrity people's court. I just want to like lay down the evidence of who these people are and really try to like parse out what could have possibly happened. So if you want to join me on that, patreon.com slash EBBM podcast, we're going to be doing the damn thing. All right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. People having children later, so I don't think that's a problem. Do people ever ask you if you're his grandfather? I haven't had it yet. <laughs> All right, guys, let's get into the Real Housewives of Potomac finale. I, I did it. Did not think I was going to, and I'm doing it mostly because I got to be awake. I got laundry to do anyway. So let's, let's get into it. Uh, obviously the finale is all about Karen and Ray's 25th anniversary vow renewal. Um, the institution is strong and better than ever in a confessional. Karen, gosh, what an ambassador, what a generous queen says that she wants to be an example to people like Robin and Giselle. We find out that Raven, her daughter, is not coming. I'm assuming because she got COVID. She just said that she wasn't feeling well, but I'm just going to chalk it up to the game. Um, Then we see Michael going on a date with Juan, and Ashley and Robin also happen to be there. Unfortunately, Ashley lets us know that in a confessional, she and Michael are hunching again, and she wants to have more date nights. So, of course, she pulled out the big guns with Juan. Everybody sits down and Michael can't wait to tell Juan about how he's been, you know, up in the gym, just working on his fitness. He got a uh, trainer that comes to his house five days a week. And if you want to touch his biceps or maybe have him lift up a shirt, he's completely fine with that, Juan. Do you want to? Do you want to? Please? No? Okay. Um, So... In a confessional, Robin says that Michael has been really hesitant to kind of hang out with the group again. Gosh, I I can't imagine why. It's probably because you can't keep your hands off anybody and you're a creep. I don't know. Just just spitballing here. Um, But he really likes Juan for some reason. And, you know, Juan happens to like him back. Uh, Robin asks Michael why he hasn't been hanging out with the group. And he kind of is trying to be shady about it. But Michael doesn't know how to shade people 
partially because he's old. Um, you know, mostly because he's not really a human. He's just like a form with human-like skin. It's very uncanny valley. You can see it in the milky eyes that something isn't real and something not something's not right, right? So Ashley kind of answers for him and says that basically it's because he doesn't really want to hang out with Candace and Chris. So, of course, we know last season's finale, they got into it. And, well, Michael got white girl wasted and Chris shoved him basically. <laughs> so, uh, they're not really fucking with each other still. And Michael tries, like I said, he doesn't know how to be shady. All he can do is just basically be what Robin and probably the word world would refer to as elitist. And he starts talking about how, Oh, I heard that, that Chris is being supported by Candace. I heard that he's her manager, but how can she afford to pay him? Because, you know, isn't she being supported by her mom? And, you know, like I said, in a confessional, Robin's like, I just feel like it's kind of elitist because whatever, if he's working for Candace, if Candace is being helped by her mom, then who cares? Like, why does it even matter? None of you guys, really, most of these couples... Well, the couples that seem to clash, Ashley, Ashley and Michael are in no position to be talking about people getting money from other people, you know, like they're, they're the one, they're two people who don't really need to be getting into that. We don't need to be having a war. Now, here's my question. I feel like during a reunion, I don't know if it was the last year, I think it was two reunions ago that Candace said Chris's family comes Chris comes from money, family money. Um I don't know if he's the recipient of said money, but I don't think Chris is like was uh scrapping and surviving. I don't think he was like doing, you know, like his family wasn't like Roseanne. You know, I don't know. It I thought I'm pretty sure she said that Chris had money or he came from money and that he's doing fine. We have not seen any any evidence of him not doing well. I mean, except for them living in Dorothy's house for years. Um, but I don't know. I'm, I'm just really confused about that. And I hope it comes up in the reunion. Anyway, Ashley asks Juan and Robin about their plans to get married again. What about having babies? And Robin says they're not really thinking about the wedding. They haven't made any plans. They're kind of talking about babies. But Robin wants a guarantee. She says, you know, on the one hand, I'm kind of thinking I didn't really like the baby stage or I'm not looking forward to having another baby stage, but I also didn't like it the first two times I did it. So kind of like, what's the difference? (laughs) And then Juan starts talking about how, oh, you know, like the kids, you know, like the baby stage is not that bad. And Robin's like, hmm. Well, you weren't really there. Like, did you ever change a diaper? Like, what do you mean? It was probably very easy for you because you weren't around. So Ashley asks if he was, if that was like the height of his career where Corey and Carter were being born. And they're like, well, he was in the league. (laughs) Um, But it sounds like a combination of him working and also him having another girlfriend. They don't say that, but I mean, just Google it. You'll find it. The, the timeline is definitely going to match up there. Um, he was in a whole other relationship. And also there was a point where he wasn't even living in the country because he was playing basketball overseas. So I imagine there's a whole chunk of time where 
uh, Robin was a single mother, probably up until the last few years, would be my guess. So Juan obviously gets pretty cagey about that. He, you know, is a man. So there's that. Um, Michael tries to comfort them by saying (laughs) that he, you know, like I'm an older parent, but it's not really that big of a deal because it's kind of common these days. And Robin asked him (laughs) if anybody's ever mistaken him for grandpa instead of the father. And Michael says, not yet. And I feel like, (laughs) would it be more embarrassing? I think earlier this season, didn't they ask if that, if Ashley was his granddaughter, <laughs> would it be more embarrassing to have somebody ask you if you're your partner's grandfather or your kid's grandfather? For me, it would probably be my partner. Whew. Anyway, um, so then we see Candace and Chris and Dorothy's there for some reason go to It's a Big Day. The manifestations have been working. Candace got a record deal with major label E1 Nashville. Congrats, babe. Um, Candace says that she came out of the womb singing like Anita Baker, which I would like to see the receipts on that. Um, Candace, of course, is very quick with a tear, quick with that cry angle, and she starts talking about how she used to stay with a hairbrush in her hand, doing choreography when she was little until she was sweating and I'm sure that was incredibly annoying, and but all of that, all of that has come to this moment. Signing with a, a local, a regional Tennessee label of a label that I've never heard of. But anyway, um, c- congrats, babe. <laughs> um, at one point in a confessional, Candace starts talking about how Chris has been by her side, and her mom's been allowed, like, allowed her to be whoever she wants to be, and. Like, what were those things? Singer? Twitter troll? Recipient of purse-related abuse? I'm not sure. Anything she wants. She can be anything under the sun. And that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. So Robin and Juan then go to their new warehouse space, or Robin's new warehouse space, for Embellished. And as they're moving in, Robin starts talking about how, you know, they're moving, they're building a house at this point. And it is going to give them more space to, you know, entertain having another child. But before they do that, she wants to have some conversations, mostly about him not repeating history with the first two and how he needs to be like a much more hands-on father. Juan is like, whew, he he doesn't go from zero to a hundred, but he goes from zero to 65 pretty quickly. He's annoyed. He's really annoyed. Robin again asks, like, are you planning on changing diapers? And he's pissed. He's really, really pissed. He starts talking about how, you know, that was 13 years ago. People grow. And you could just see him getting agitated and he's moving towards the door. (laughs) And Robin's like, um, do you not like this conversation? (laughs) Like, well, considering about 30 seconds ago, he was standing right next to you helping you pack, unpack, and now he's about 30 feet away talking about how he's grown and things are different. Yeah, I would say he's probably not really wanting to have this conversation. And he says, yeah, no, I don't like this conversation because you're making me look out like a dickhead. And he walks out. 
And then he gets to the car and we get kind of a fourth wall break because obviously they're not expecting him to have left. And he starts mumbling to himself about how like, you know, she's, she's tripping if she thinks she's going to talk to me about that. And like, let me take my mic off. And so Robin goes outside and he gets back out of the car. He gives her, hands her his mic and he's like, I'm leaving. He gets in the car and he starts to drive out of the uh, driveway or, you know, the, the parking space. And she stops him and he's like, you know, listen, like, I'm not the same dude. And you're acting like I was a messed up dad. Like, it's always my fault what I did. But it's never about what Robin didn't do. And then he says, I'm not going to talk about this anymore. He rolls the window up while Robin's arm is still inside and then drives away. What did Robin not do? That is, I'm turning on Juan. I'm turning a corner, as Sonia Morgan said. I don't like that. What what did she not do? Andy, at Andy. Oh, the reunion's already taped. I hope they ask that because that is a loaded, volatile thing to say. And I just need answers. I definitely need answers. Anyway, now it's time for the vow renewal. Everybody's getting ready at their house. Shout out to poor Cam. We found out um, through Wendy's Instagram that her daughter Cameron is was in the ICU for a week. I don't think she explained what happened, but... I think she might be on the mend. I hope she's back at home. But what a precious little angel, and I hope she's okay. I really do. She's so cute. Um, then Robin's getting ready, and Giselle FaceTimes her and says, Oh, you know, like, I'm getting ready. I hope Juan knows that uh, he's on double duty in terms of he's also going to be my date. And Robin's like, Yeah, well, I'm about that. Uh, I think he's not so happy with me right now. And <laughs> why did I make Robin sound like Jenny from, <laughs> from 90 day fiance? Um, but she explains, you know, I try to have a conversation with him and about kids and, and history, not repeating itself. And he left, he dipped, he didn't want to hear it. And Giselle's like, you need to have these conversations. Like, and Giselle's right. They definitely need to have these conversations. I'm confused as to why they have not. <laughs> but that's really on them. It, mm. Do not have a child with this man who thinks that you didn't do something that led to him being a negligent father. Please don't. Wait, you work that one out, please. Anyway. Um, everybody shows up at the uh, uh, warehouse. Uh, excuse me, the wedding venue. And there are some dusty stanchions outside. Were you guys one of the people that also learned what a stanchion was from Real Housewives of Salt Lake City last year? Because I was. <laughs> I had no idea what those are called. If you don't know what a stanchion is, it's like the ropes. Like the ropes with the, the poles. You know, the red ropes. And the, po- you know, like a, like a movie premiere. I didn't see a red carpet. Just a couple stanchions. Interesting. Um, So the building inside is actually quite nice, but it's also really difficult to navigate in the sense that if you want to go to the bar, you have to walk up what I saw were like the shiniest, most slippable, just give me my check for my lawsuit now stairs. I, I, I don't, I grew up in, I always grew up in ranch houses. So 
stairs are not really, they weren't like really a big part of my life until I moved to New York and you know, you got to go up and down those subway stairs. I don't, this is like not my life. <laughs> so I don't really love a stair, honestly. I, and that stair scared me. That was like, I, I would prefer if you could put like the dustiest old Baptist church carpet down for me just to feel safe and secure and like God's got me. That's what I'm looking for. I just would have been like, you know what? Can we just go to like, like down to the Arby's or if I could pay somebody to get me a drink, that would be nice. Those, that was a liability. Class action lawsuit all over there. Please don't let Tom Girardi anywhere near those stairs. And don't let Erica Sun near them either. Lord help us. They'd just be tumbling all the way back to LA. And we wouldn't know what happened to them. Anyway. Um, at one point, everybody's coming in. Ashley is standing behind Candace. And Candace turns to Chris and says, I'm not going to give that ogre any life. <laughs> An ogre? <laughs> Jesus. Um, speaking of, of Ashley and Giselle, time out. If you guys are on TikTok, run. Don't walk to two of the most unhinged and thirsty TikTok accounts that you will ever get out of Robin, excuse me, Giselle and Ashley. They're weird. <laughs> Giselle's especially. Now, Ashley's really leaning into all of like the, the viral dances and, and that. Giselle is, <laughs> she's your mom. She's your mom on TikTok personified. She, there's one video <laughs> Where she's, several of her videos are just her, like, walking. Like, somebody's recording, and she's just, like, walking toward the camera. But she does this kind of, like, like almost like a like a drumline girl. Like a majorette kind of walk. In e the same walk, every, in several videos. There's another video where <laughs> she's just in her home. And she's just stares into the camera. That's another several set, sets of videos. Just her, like, looking at herself in the camera. And occasionally you can hear her because she doesn't know how to mute her video. Say, like, oh, God, look at how beautiful I am. Look at how pretty I am. Just very quietly under the music. So the part that... It's just... <laughs> this one video, is just, it's been going viral and it cracks me up and I have to watch it every time. Because at one point, you can tell she wants to, like, zoom in and out of her face face but she doesn't know how <laughs> so she just moves the camera closer and further away closer and, closer. <laughs> and it's like a very avant-garde it's like videos interlaced with like her just staring at the camera looking pretty and then you see uh, a pot that she's got on the stove just boiling or a house plant or a mug that has like some sort of uh what are those mugs say shit like coffee you know the ones from a uh, ray dunn those ray dunn mugs um it they're just very weird and they're very like she's trying to be creative but she has not a creative bone in her body she can't dance she rarely says anything it's just her walking it's just her looking at herself and then just whatever random thing she's like oh we'll put that in there sure it's high art Hi, hi, Art. Ashley and Giselle, I told my friend this, are in a competition for the worst TikToker. And the person, the people who are winning are all of us. It, they're so weird. <laughs> they're so 
so weird. Also, I watched one of Ashley's dancing videos and somebody in the comments said, this is gonna, this video is gonna get more views than the drive back video. And she liked it. And that was just a couple days ago. Shade. Anyway. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Um, so Ashley, Candace calls Ashley an ogre. Speaking of, Ashley shows up without Michael, the actual ogre, because he's at some kid's birthday party with Dean or whatever. And in a confessional, Ashley says that she's interested to see what's going to happen between Michael and Chris, because Michael has a tendency not to hold back. We know. (laughs) We know that out of everybody on this cast of characters, Michael has the least impulse control. We've got the evidence. We've got the police reports. We've got the lawsuits. We're, We're clear. Clear on that one. Um, Wendy and Eddie show up. Wendy must have been sewed right into that dress. Those titties were perched. Okay. And she had to sit in the back. (laughs) And poor Eddie had to like hoist her out of the car because she couldn't do it herself because the dress was so cinched to her. Now she was given body adi adi. And I was here for it. Who wasn't here for it were Giselle and, and Robin, shady as ever talking about at the table but how oh look she's insecure she must something must have triggered her like ew 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 david gross so at their table juan is sitting between robin and giselle and he turns to giselle and says oh you know i'm sorry that you broke up with with jamal are you dating anybody else and giselle takes a quick look at the camera and turns to Juan puts her uh, purse in front of her face and says, uh, yeah, I have. I am dating. But she doesn't really want to talk about it. She gives a little bit of information. I think she said he was a commentator. He's 34. The producer, Nora, keeps asking about her in a confession, asking about the guy in a confessional. Giselle's like, I'm, I just told you I'm not going to say anything about it. We find out at the end of the episode that they broke up anyway. So, whatever. On to the next one. Um, Then... Juan asks Ashley where Michael is, and this turns into somehow a conversation about whether or not Michael wears a wedding ring, and of course, he doesn't. Ashley claims that he's got some sort of condition that causes him to have a knot on his finger so he can't put the ring on it. I don't know. Like, maybe he's just slamming his finger into a drawer every day. Who's to say, you know? Um, Then we see Macy Gray, who I had it in my head that Macy and Karen were somehow related, but they're not. They just happen to know each other. They've only known each other a couple years. She's going to be singing um, at the ceremony, and great. It's time for the event to start. Karen has the, just, they were like, girl, just put that got to be extra hold on these finger waves so not a 
hair out of this Karen Huger LaDom wig line moves. Not a single one. She had this $10,000 Turkish dress. She looked beautiful. Congrats. Congrats to the whole team. She has to go up those stairs. Ray is standing at the top. And a confessional. This is where I love Candace. She says, gosh, it's just such a great moment to see these two after 25 years that they're committing to this. But like, it's been about seven and a half minutes and she's still walking up those stairs. <laughs> At one point, once they get up the stairs, Candace asks if there's going to be a jumbotron so she can see. God, I love her. I really, <laughs> a true, true problematic fave. She's right up there with Azalea Banks. She truly is. Um, Giselle says something like the ceremony starts and and the preacher's going through his sermon and Giselle says something about how she feels like the speech is more about them, uh, Ray and Karen being more of a friendship than an institution. And then she says, oh, I shouldn't say something because I want to remain friends with Karen. But then immediately she says, well, the friendship part would make sense because with all the DMs that Karen slides in. Now, we're going to have to circle back on that. Like there are several questions that I feel like arose from this finale that I'm going to need to have addressed at the reunion. Who is she DMing? (laughs) Who is Karen Huger DMing? I just can't imagine a world in which Karen would be sliding into somebody's DMs, like hit them up. Who is it? And, and who? Oh, I need, I need answers. Karen and Ray say their vows to each other. Karen's talking about how Ray is her soldier and how he has her back from the hours of 11 a.m. to about 3 p.m. before Magnum P.I. starts. (laughs) And then Ray says, I choose you to be my bride and my wife and my friend, and I'm choosing once again to love you forever. And in a confessional, Karen says that the fact that she's renewing her vows to an intimate circle of friends and family special to her because there's no guarantee that they would get to where they were today and they get through it. They kiss (laughs) and they have to go back down the stairs. Poor Karen has to lift that hoop skirt so she can make it down. And just like I said, put down an old Baptist church carpet. She would have been down there in no time. Mm. Macy Gray performs uh, her new hit single or, you know, a new song that she put out and Then Michael finally shows up. He shows up after basically everything is done, but before the dinner, which is probably the most normal thing he's done in quite some time. Um, Of course, Michael beelines it to Juan and tells him how good he looks and he meets Gordon for the first time. And then we see Candace having a conversation with Escala and she says, listen, she's like, she's giving the lowdown on Michael and says, Ashley and I might have our differences, but I think from a moral standpoint, Michael is not good enough for Ashley. Listen, you might say nothing but a word. <laughs> so everyone sits down for dinner and it's kind of awkward. And finally Juan is like, all right, don't we want to squash this shit? And Giselle says, there have been times where, hey, me and Michael have gotten into it, but we've been able to talk about it and get together. And Michael's like, well, Giselle, you're a very intelligent person. And then, you know, I can tell I can have a conversation with you and we can actually resolve it. So Chris is like, all right, I'm just going to say this right now. You can go and enjoy your dinner, whatever. But whatever happened at Robin's uh, engagement party, 
we can let it go. And Michael's like, well, I have a long memory and, you know, I just don't like it when people are mean to my wife. So Chris says, great, I can understand that. But I just felt like the way things went down, you were actually being disrespectful to me. (laughs) And so Michael's like, well, that's really a backhanded way of trying to resolve things. And I was like, well, he wasn't trying to resolve things. Juan Juan was. (laughs) So anyway, Chris starts to get heated at this point and he's like, Listen, be a man, stand up, apologize if you want to apologize. So Juan, who was on the other side of the table with Robin, goes over to them so he can hear what's going on and um, try to mediate. And Michael says, Chris, like, if you put your hands on me, then you should apologize. So Robin says to Michael, listen, you can't sit here and act like you didn't do anything. And Michael's like, what did I do? <laughs> so then... <sighs> God, she starts to get, uh, Candace starts to get annoyed. And she's like, this is like the whitest privilege I'm being exposed to. And I I can't sit here. So then she turns to Michael and says, so I guess you do nothing wrong. And this white privilege is real nasty out here. And I just have to get out of here. So she gets up and Michael's like, how far can this woman go? (laughs) In a confessional, Candace says that she thinks that Michael has been afforded a privilege to never have to take responsibility for anything. He can buy them off. He can pay them off. He can threaten to sue whatever he does. And then he'll even forsake his own wife for his own pleasures and degrading desires. (laughs) I mean, where's the lie though, right? So Juan tries to tell Michael and Chris to both be the bigger men, move on. And Michael turns to Chris and says, I don't really have that much of a problem with you. And they're like, okay. So moving forward, Giselle says, how about just nobody disrespects each other's wives, right? So Chris and Michael shake on it. And then Juan is like, oh, Chris and Michael, can you guys hug? And Michael's like, no. And so Juan says, why don't you give me a hug? And he's like, okay, okay, great. (laughs) And in a confessional, Giselle says, I think that's all this was and why it happened so quickly is that Juan just wanted, Michael just wanted a hug from Juan. So (laughs) let's just call it a win, right? At one point, everybody starts dancing and the shade, they do a close up on Giselle and her boot and the shoe in conjunction with this boot. And they blurred out the, the label, but I know a Skechers logo when I see it. Okay. That the black with the gold glitter, I mean, help us all. God, I mean, can you just imagine the the years that um, pastry came out? She would have bought the whole line. God help us. Anyway, um, so everybody's dancing and Robin starts talking about how, like, you know, she's at this event. It does kind of make her think about the wedding. But since they're building, excuse me, building a house, it's kind of on the back burner. And they're just sitting at the table, Robin and, Robin and Juan and Michael, with his milky eyes, just staring longingly into Juan's face. And Juan says something like, oh, I'm going to leave soon. And Michael's like, oh, me too. I'm also leaving early. <laughs> so then Juan turns to Robin and says, oh, my Uber's on the way. She's like, where are you going? And he says he has to go to work. And you could tell that she was very annoyed. Like, clearly, he probably didn't actually have to go to work. At the very least, he didn't tell her that, which seems like something you would explain you know um so then we find candace or candace rather finds chris sulking behind a pillar and she's like why are you shaking your head at me and he's like 
you said that white privilege comment and I just feel like it's over the top. And Candace is like, but it's the truth. And so Chris says, just because you feel some type of way about something doesn't mean you need to express it all the time in the moment. (laughs) And Candace says, well, here's my problem. That motherfucker thinks that everybody's going to bow down to him and my ass is not, okay? The Chris says, you have to learn how to see the other side. And she's like, you need to shut the fuck up talking to me like this. (laughs) And just walks away. That was basically the end of the the finale. And, you know, we get the typical end of season, what's going on with our ladies now. Nothing I found particularly interesting except for Chris and Dorothy apparently are barely speaking to one another. Uh, Giselle broke up with this man that we're never going to see anyway. Uh, Robin's still not having a baby, but she did move into the house. Karen actually did manage to film a... uh, Surrey video in Surrey and not in Potomac. So congratulations to us all. Overall, I think the season was pretty solid. It's not going to go down there with like the best of the last two seasons. I think we can all agree were absolute bangers of seasons and they brought it, but I'm happy. I'm happy to be here. I'm always happy to see our girls. They're never going to be, they're never, there's never going to be a time where they fully let me down until they do. And in which case I will turn on them on a dime. (laughs) But I liked it. I liked the season and I'm not even mad at a four part finale. Like maybe it's just because I'm, I'm used to Beverly Hills now because we've been doing this for damn near a month. But I I think, did we need a four part finale or four part reunion? No, but am I going to watch it? Yes. Am I going to enjoy it more than Beverly Hills? Almost certainly. So I'm looking forward to it because they always bring it. They always bring it at the reunions. And for that, we should all be grateful. Anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. I'll be back later in the week. Have a great day. It's a great